You're listening to the Limitless Career Podcast, the show where you hear the how, why, and what of creating limitless careers with me, Just Jazz. I'm a multi-passionate, wildly ambitious lover of tea and r and I'm also on a mission to guide more high achievers to the careers and lives they deeply desire through coaching. Yeah, you heard me, desire. No shame or secrets about it. Here, we boldly embrace ambition by owning, being, and doing more in our careers. And in each episode, we break down the barriers to creating something that will make you and everyone you know step back in awe while keeping it simple. So what are you waiting for? Let's dive into the episode. Welcome to this week's episode of the Limitless Career Podcast. Today, I'm really excited to have our first duo, I guess, um, in many ways. We've had group conversations before, but this time we'll get to meet people whose careers have collided, essentially, and understand a little bit more of the journey around that and the work that they do as career folk themselves um, as well. So today, I'm really excited to have Janine and Louisa. How are you both? Very well, well. very good. Thank you, Jazz. We're really happy to be here. Amazing, amazing. And let's dive straight in. You know, can you introduce yourselves to our audience? And we'll perhaps start with Louisa and then jump into Janine's journey. Yeah. Hello, I'm Louisa. So I co-founded Happy HQ with Janine. Um, very proud to say that. So yeah, we're loving running Happy HQ. And before Happy HQ, I set up a recruitment company called I Love My Job. So that was back in 2010. Um, and I that led, I've run that business since 2010. And part of that journey, which I'm sure we'll cover later, led us to kind of joining together and setting up Happy HQ. Amazing. And then, yes, hello, Jazz. Thank you also for having me. I'm Janine. Um, I'm, I like to always uh, tell people I'm a mum of two boys because I think that's an important one to say. Um, and we live by the sea in Shoreham. Yeah. But before then, I've lived in Singapore, London, Sydney, um, started my career out in public relations and then went on to Brancom's roles in, in-house and agency land. Um, but now, yeah, uh, after seeing the good, the bad and the ugly, it led me to have conversations with Lou and <laughs> Happy HQ. Amazing. Amazing. Love that. And I absolutely love the fact that you included that you're a mom of two boys. We like to show up as our whole selves here on the podcast. Um, and I'm sure that probably also influences the way that you approach your career as well. Um, Happy HQ. What is Happy HQ? <laughs> So essentially, Happy HQ, we like to call ourselves a culture consultant, if you like. Um, the background behind Happy HQ, there's two sides to this story that, that where we sort of come together as two. But um, from my side, so I was in Singapore uh, studying uh, the science behind human flourishing. So I went and did a postgraduate diploma whilst I was working in an agency. And I started to learn about positive psychology and I kept thinking why isn't some of more of this being applied to the workplace and mirrored with with that mm. with me sat on a leadership team where we were we were really enthusiastic about asking people what they wanted from the company culture what they thought their values were what changes they'd like to see but when it came to sort of actioning things it was we were so bogged down with client work that it seemed like nobody really had the time to sort of you know, take those mm. insights and 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 make a difference with them, or put some sort of culture goals in place. So it led to having conversations with Louisa, and I'll let her tell her side of the story. But from yeah, from my side, it was basically starting to join the dots between the difference between understanding what com- what people really want and putting people at the heart of the company culture and then actually having some like a consultancy out there that can a- action those that feedback as well yeah and from my side mm. so I mentioned about I love my job so yeah set up in 2010 and the company being called I love my job was a very different concept to a lot of recruitment companies set up like 12 years ago so I didn't name it after myself yeah. I just named it after the <laughs> which is to help people find jobs they love um for me 
I had a lot of success quite quickly in finding people jobs they love. So that's what I think is success in my eyes, is finding people jobs that they can truly say that has positively impacted their lives. And I was finding, mm. as I was kind of working more closely with founders and leadership team, I wanted a way that I could, as the company scale, find a way to check that, A, we're working with companies that really put their people first and truly care about their culture. But what I was also finding is, as the time went on, instead of the candidate saying to me, what's the money like? What's the job description and job title? People, mm. the candidates started asking more about culture, um, which for me, again, yeah. made me want to be more educated in culture. And when I passed on that question to the leadership team and the owners to say, what is your culture like? A lot of the time they were like, well, I don't know, what is what what is cultural? They'd they'd cite quite aesthetic things like, oh well, we've got a dartboard or oh well we can drink at three o'clock on a Friday. <laughs> we can bring dogs. It's like for me it was like, okay, I'm not sure it's really resonating what true company culture is. So for me I I can't mm. I I saw a gap with education, really educating what company culture is, but also a way of companies finding out really what their company culture is and then finding ways to to actually improve if they wanted to. Um, so this was all going alongside this happening the same time Janine was studying towards like her positive psychology diploma. And then we've got, I went to uni with Janine's husband. So we were really good friends and still are um, at uni. And it just happened, like didn't like having lunch one day, weren't we? And we just got chatting about our careers and our beliefs. And do you know when you just connect? And from that moment, we were like, mm. everyone, so aligned but we were living these parallel universes on the side of different sides of the world and we were like we've got this urge to make the workplace mm. a better place mm. not just for the people working there but for a lot of founders and leaders that just don't have the experience or the know-how or the time to create great company cultures so at that point we were just like we've got to do something mm. and then gradually it took us four years of research and development to actually launch happy hq but that's kind of my background and how our worlds collided and got us to the point where we actually launched the company. Mm. In essence, we sort of started out by saying to each other, what what would we want from our company when we were 20 and 30 years old? You know, mm. what do we have? And I, I guess the, the sort of drive, you know, our, our sort of passion is to leave the work, work of world a better place for our children. We might not, you know, we can, we can make small changes now, but so much change needs to be made. You know, there's so much disparity and I think there are lots of, you know, change, positive change has been made. There's a long way to go. And I think for us, if we can sort of leave our legacy of making the world of work a better place for our children, then we've done a good job. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's huge because so often, especially with the work that I do, I meet the folks who are well-meaning. We meet the internal advocates who want to see the change and will happily share all the feedback under the sun and then there's that gap between so who's going to sit down and update the policy mm. who's going to research a supplier yeah. for this or a new platform for that and the doing is where everything gets stuck regardless of the world that all of the greatest intentions in the world which then means for all intents and purposes the experience of the employees currently in the organization and those reviewing the organization you know hoping to apply or interested in it stagnates despite i guess the change that's happening at an intellectual level or an intentional or even strategy right these things get written into board packs and um pitch decks even and you know reported to to senior c-suite or created um but then in terms of the gap between that part and it being put into fruition i think is a huge thing that holds a lot of people back and it's exactly what you said right it's the resource it's time it's energy it, it's also intellect right it's the expertise it's the insight um because also when it comes to culture people don't want to get wrong like so then they yeah, freeze I, I, think, I think that and I think that's that's the reason why so many companies don't make changes because they're so scared of getting it wrong mm. but you know companies you know they're human and I think that that's what that's where we're sort of getting it wrong that they should be able to put their hand up and say mm you know even leaders aren't super yeah. and the best leaders are more vulnerable and have more courage to <laughs> to fail happily as yeah. we like it. and I think that the, you know there is so there are so many companies out there that have a culture that is misrepresented and for us it's like 
nobody mm. really has a perfect culture and only the only the people within that company know the culture you know and and I think this is where my comes yeah. comes in it sort of sort of marries with what we do with happy hq because we're really you know we're really really passionate about making sure that companies are telling a tr- p- painting a true picture even if it's saying these are things we're working mm. on this is what pe- people want to see. They don't want to go to a company that's saying, yeah, we, you know, we, we tick all the boxes. It's like, well, actually, no, this is this is what yeah. you're getting here. And I think that the more transparent and open we can be about the culture, um, you know, culture mm. can't hide. So you're not gonna you're not gonna keep great candidates if 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 you've misrepresented what the culture really is. Yeah, this is huge. And and one thing, even hearing you sort of describe that and how important it is to communicate what that culture is authentically. I remember going, um, I think it was just last month, going to the HR tech conference in London. And there were so many conversations around this idea of employer branding. How do we do stuff and get our team members to post? And, you know, before we hit record, we were having a brief conversation about LinkedIn and how that's evolved as a place for folks to share content or give us a bit of a window into their day to day, like never before, right? The only other place prior to LinkedIn that you'd explain what you did in a day job was to bless it probably your mum or your bestie who will be quite patient and listen or it's on your CV whereas now we're in this place where people are sending photos right the company I work for we went for our annual away trip lo and behold we returned back and it made sense why a camera was following us around everywhere we now have a two-minute sizzle reel of you know I'm describing it as a sizzle reel because that's essentially what it was Mm. of them saying right this is what we did this is what we do when we come together and thankfully Mm. I say this with no there's no shade (laughs) in me saying this because when I also watched the video I said authentically that's actually what we're like like the interactions that you witness that's exactly what we like nobody got on a microphone and said right we're filming this whole experience if you notice the camera you notice the camera people were just living and existing right so I, I say it in a in a way to say like that sizzle reel is an authentic one it's not a whole can you put your hand there and can you talk to that person and oh could we could we get another woman on this table for this shot you know there wasn't that but I must admit my brain then goes to that place of the folks who feel a bit pressured to fake it until they make it or only show the good parts right and not release maybe an impact report or not say here are our goals and here are our aims here's our challenges here's the feedback from the employee survey all of those things vulnerability is huge I think when you touched on earlier about kind of the implementation for us it's also when people don't truly understand culture that's that's the issue because people are like trying to to desperately Mm. understand but also because culture is so ever evolving you can be just trying to implement something and then Patagonia does something or Tony's Chocoloni does something you're like should we be doing it that way so there's all (laughs) this information coming at you and and being a business leader and MD myself with a team you can have all the goodwill in the world but if you read something like a lot of owners and leaders have this visionary mindset you can have a really mm. good idea, be like, right, let's get going. And then something better comes in. And then, like, oh, should we be doing that? And it's like, just what we're trying to do is just give people focus. And it's not like we're saying, right, these are mm. 10 things you should implement in your company. It might just be three very minor changes that we can help identify from your people and then help you implement. So it doesn't have to be massive. And on that personal branding and employer branding side, Again, as candidates become way more educated on culture, which we're really happy about, because if mm. Beyonce releases a song about quitting in <laughs> to five, we know there's a problem, don't we? If Beyonce's talking oh, about education, yes. it is happening. So, she hasn't had a job in how long? I know. If she's <laughs> picking up the vibes, what's going on? She's picking yeah. up, who knows how the, the yeah. nation is feeling. So, Self-employed teenager. <laughs> the wrath of Beyonce, you know, they need but to step up. <laughs> But we joke about it, but it's like this this empowerment that the generation is feeling mm. is here and it's here to stay. And everyone says things are trends. There's a lot of trend that's now integrated into this is our reality now. So we need to adapt. Um, if the candidates yeah. are asking questions and your talent in order to, I think it's 76 percent of talent will not even apply for a job now if they don't have a picture of a, a, a 
company's culture. So if you've got, think, if you've got three mm-hmm. applications, you could have had 10 if you'd have just said a bit about your culture. In order yeah. to say about your culture, you need to know about it, but that's the hard thing. So there's so much work, and that's what we're trying to do, is try and simplify it, simplify a very complex topic, break it down, and then enable the companies that truly care about their people to have the best culture they can have possible. Yeah, culture is huge. I think even when I reflect on um, my past, I'd probably say my past three one-to-one clients that chose to work with me one-to-one long-term, their goal was to be intentional about their next career move. So be it setting up their own company and inadvertently employing people and creating their own culture or moving to another organization and trusting the organization with their talent. And the biggest questions, they had zero problems talking about pay, negotiating a package. The biggest questions, the biggest things that they wanted to be able to find out and in many ways was finding really challenging was what's the actual culture like? How can I know that I won't be micromanaged here? How can I know that I won't need to feel ashamed of any part of my identity here? Like, how can I know these things before I sign on the dotted line and, you know, immerse myself into something that doesn't fit me? And it comes with a two-way thing, kind of going back to what you said at the beginning, right? Those values, having us as employees, having an understanding of our own personal values to then be able to kind of kind of go shopping with a list, yeah, if that makes sense in terms of what's yeah. important to us, and yeah. then seeing it on the shelf to say, ah, integrity, teamwork, great. Ex- this is yeah. great. This is great. This is I can put these yeah. in my basket, and and maybe I'll apply here. Yeah, I mean yeah. values is a Huge. big one, but I I would say we would you know we would say that values are sort of at the heart of everything when it comes to culture. Really, to to get a company's values truly nailed, and not just be the values of the person hiring um but yeah to your mm. point questions that we, we we want to ask as candidates as well we don't we almost don't know one want how to ask or we're too scared to ask or the questions that we're asking are not really getting to the crux of well what is it really like to work here you know and often the the answers are often around fun which you know is so important obviously fun and laughter is so important but People don't want, you know, ping pong tables and endless beer. What people mostly want from their workplace in terms of culture is to spend less time at work, if possible, to get their job done efficiently, <laughs> have fun along the way, but not be, you know, forced to stay there because they're supposed to have fun. Yeah. But I think um, also on your point mm. about having the shopping list, what we've created as a business. So this is a new concept that we've come up with, which is called Culture ID. So for, and this is where I Love My Job and Happy mm-hmm. have now merged, to say, if we, as I Love My Job, are representing you as a candidate, and we have duty of care to ensure that you're going yeah. to enjoy and love the job that you're going into, unless we can picture this company's culture, how can we truly say that you're going to enjoy it there? Because like you said about the shopping list, for some people, yeah. is really important. For some people, leadership is really important. Mm. But what we've done is we've really broken mm. down. The first thing we had to do is break culture down. because So we've broken culture down into eight principles. So that was the best thing that we did. So yeah. everything now that comes up within culture, for example, well-being is one of our principles. Purpose is one, leadership, connection, empowerment. Yeah. So we've got eight of these principles. Now, what we've done on Culture ID, which is a dual tool between, well, it's a Happy HQ tool we're using for I Love My Job, is we create a one-pager which tells you exactly how the company is scoring across eight of these principles. We tell you exactly what the employee mm. terms are from holiday days to flexible working policy, all everything. Then we have quotes. So we speak to people with inside the business. So we get quotes on what it's like to work there. We have a section on there about culture projects underway. Um, and for us, it's like if we can send over or as a business, if you can send over that piece, that document to a candidate to say, this is the job spec this is the remuneration and these are our terms and this is a picture of our culture. We've only just started using it and mm. it's like kicked off. It's like now we're like, we can't do any more culture ideas from <laughs> because we, we knew it was going to work, but <laughs> it's 
amazing. It's like, yeah, I want to know. And why would I apply for a job and essentially leave another job, sometimes for less money, if I don't know what the culture's like? And I can't just take the person that's interviewing these 100%. words because that's just their interpretation. I need to hear from more people. So that's one of the things that we offer is culture ID. Mm. It's, it's, yeah, it's that, it's that yeah. piece. It's that tool we wish we had when we were 20 or 30 applying for a job. I lasted once, once um, yeah. I'm not ashamed to say this, I lasted two weeks at a company because the, I just didn't get the feel. Mm. This is not how they sold it to me in the interview. Um, you know, teams were working in silo. There was such a disconnect. Yes, they had fun after hours and there's a lot of drinking involved, etc. But it was like, unless you're doing that, yeah. you're not, you didn't feel like part of the culture. So, yeah, two weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm I so proud of you for sharing that though, because I think it's so important for us to destigmatize those mm. bits on our CV or the bits that we don't even bother putting onto our CV, because I think it's a reminder that we don't have to squeeze the, the triangle peg into the round hole all the time. And that is a two way street, right? Just like if you went on a first date with somebody and didn't vibe. Yeah. yeah do we, do you then force yourself to have a second? Probably not. You learn yeah. from it massively. And the huge learning curve for me was that I don't think I'd sat down and truly worked out, well, what what do I want? What are my values? I was too, mm. too um, motivated by, I need this job. How's it going to look title. on my CV? Yeah. Great job title. Yeah. Great story. You know, trying to impress them. But really, an interview is a two-way stream. And, you know, I yeah, I think we're so focused on selling ourselves that mm. we're you know the company should be we're selling. not asking the questions yeah and I think also I read the other day um I don't remember what the date is the actual number is but it is something like one week or two weeks that's how long it takes for you to predict internally so process to do yourself how long you're going to last at a company whether it's going to be a couple of years or whether you're just trying to last a year or you're just trying to last six months or whether you're just out as soon as you you know yeah, I mean, and this is why we spend so much time with clients working out their onboarding as well, which doesn't mm. need to be complicated. It's just lots of time getting to know the candidate that outside of work and beyond their skill set. Just, you know, how can, you know, what, just get to know the real them, you know, mm. uh, so they feel that sense of belonging as well. This podcast is brought to you by Just Jazz Private Coaching, the six-month one-to-one experience for high achievers to carve their unique and limitless careers free from overwhelm and underwhelm. With challenging and curious coaching, we get knee-deep in all the things getting in the way of you having a hell yeah career instead of a career that feels meh. If this sounds great to you, book a call today at justjazz.co forward slash coaching, where we will map out the what and how of working together. I'm just thinking of my own experience, that of my clients and just the reality, right? At the moment, I think if you were to open up LinkedIn and look at roles that are around culture or DEI roles, right, internally into companies, people who internally, you know, do what you do, even the employee engagement role, the HR business partner, the HR business partner role is like 25 years old or 20 or 20, 20 or 25, one of those two. So having a human who is focused on executing on these things is still a fairly recent phenomenon. And one of the things that I always try and reflect on, I always try and pull myself back from the dark side of judgment or super duper appreciation when I see the highlight reel or the doomsday stories on LinkedIn is actually, do we have enough empathy for the folks who do this work? The folks who actually, you know, like you, sit down and create the tools to make the change or are are lobbying, you know, in conversations that are above our heads for certain changes. Or again, like feel the disappointment where they push through a project and initiative and nobody shows up or nobody feels the feedback form. Or, you know, do, do you think that we have enough empathy for what it takes to shift culture and transform culture and really be a custodian of culture? So this is reminding me of a conversation I had yesterday. So mm-hmm. I work with a client and they've actually just, so this is on the I Love My Job side, they've just 
promoted somebody to be their people and culture manager. He mm. is so passionate about people and culture. He's from an HR background, but for him, it's like human resources. For him, is a data mm. job. It's all about people and culture. Now, at the moment, there's a, a bit of a friction internally because the owners, we haven't seen the full impact of this movement, this, this Beyonce movement that's coming yet, right? So <laughs> a lot of people see people and culture still as a bit of a luxury. So HR is only just being given a seat at the boardroom table, you know. So, mm. But it's changing. The people that get it and have accepted it and embraced people and culture, now it's one of the most important. Without people, you don't have a company. Yeah. And I think people are realising people are your greatest asset. If they all work out, you've got nothing. So you've got to look after them. Um but internally, yes, there's friction because without money, you don't have a business. Mm. Without people, you don't have a business. And when things hit the fan, people always go towards profit. It's like, well, I know we're halfway through this, but I need to get the money in. Or we've got a massive yeah. opportunity, a huge pitch here. doesn't matter if we're about to do a whole new onboarding process. That It kind of goes down in priority lists. And it's happened to mm. me. Like I've been like, and it just happens. And yeah, the kind of having that empathy with the people trying to really push it through, definitely it's improving, but it's definitely mm. seen as a nice to have for a lot of organizations mm. until they truly understand the concept. Mm. So yesterday he was saying to me, look, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. And I'm just like, just keep true to who you are. As soon mm. as we see the benefits, then then it'll be taken a lot more seriously. So, yeah. yeah, I think definitely it's changing. The balance between the employee and the employer is definitely changing, and so it should. It's balancing out. But at the moment, the employer and the employee, it's like the employer for a lot of companies is slightly higher. Mm. And I, I think, this, as I said earlier, there's a, still a long way to go in terms of educating companies on the benefits of company culture and how that can benefit them as a, as a business from a profit side. I yeah. think the at the moment with company culture is it's sort of, it seems that only, uh, companies only want to sort of step up and create change when there's pain points. Yeah. So mm. it's instead of proactive and I think this you know I mean we we had a conversation with a client and we were shocked because we were putting together an audit to measure a certain part of the business to get feedback from employees on and you know we do it in a and, you know we're called happy HQ right so as mm -hmm. a for us it's really important that we're sort of visually appealing that we sort of we're speaking to people at their level we're speaking practically common sense yeah losing all that business rubbish talk that sounds so formal. So we kind of have these like conversations with people and they were really concerned about uh, setting aside 15 minutes per employee to, to get feedback and insights. And and that's a big red flag for us because if they, mm. if they don't see the value in having an employee spend 15 minutes on talking about how all the great ideas they could have for a culture and what that's they want it. and, you know, then – that's a worry and so I mm. think yeah from from an empathy side I think you know it, it takes conversations internally it's a comms job isn't it as well it's going to take conversations internally and then you know the job that we need to do is help educate companies on the benefits of investing in in people and putting people at the heart of of, of everything uh, and also sharing all the great case studies and all the great, um, you know, the greatness that can be achieved from good company culture. Yeah. Because yeah. losing people is expensive. You know, recruitment, recruiting is expensive. It's an expensive job. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's for us, I guess, when we started at Happy HQ, we didn't realise how much of the education piece would be quite prominent to our day-to-day. -day. Yeah. Still, yeah. There's still hearts and minds to convince of yeah. people and culture. And, yeah, and then, you know, obviously we set out just... We had planned to launch Happy HQ before what we call the greatest work revolution of our time and the, the mood mm. of the nation went south and then you know the last two years companies have just been firefighting and mm. you know changes that they didn't foresee coming like remote working it's just been a lot and 
uh, BLM movement, so much stuff where companies have had to be reactive. And I think now is the time to, you know, step up and think more proactively because it yeah. is a it's market. Yeah, it's really true. And I think touching on one thing that um, you said, Louisa, about HR, I'm going to say it how it is in my mind, but HR versus people and culture. I remember getting my first job in tech and, and we had one person who was heading up people and culture. And anytime she'd catch you referring to her as HR, she'd correct you. Mm. Yeah. And everyone was just like, I don't get it. What's the big deal? And I remember she did an all hands explaining the difference between HR and people and culture because it was so vital to what she was trying to achieve that we understood the difference and that we understood why the organization had chosen to have a head of people of culture as opposed to a head of HR, because it is, you know, I said it jokingly, winning the hearts and minds, but it is very much that. It is reminding people that we show up as ourselves. We show up to work as a human first. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, and I feel sorry for so many HRs that, you know, got lumped with culture, and it was like they spent so much of their time just recruiting and retaining and updating policies and handbooks and... Mm. That that I, I've worked with a HR person before that, you know, on the day it was a creative agency and the first day, the first hour of my time there, I got a lesson on how to update my timesheets. And I just yeah. thought, if this person really understood culture, then they wouldn't, this wouldn't be such a... This is not day one. <laughs> yeah, it is, but people, again... It's a necessity. A lot of people, the day mm-hmm. before starts, they're setting up their email address. They're like, what laptop are they going to use? It's all so hectic if you don't mm. have the process in place. But when you do have the process in place, it frees up the time. So if you think about it quantifiably, it's freeing up the time of the people mm. who do other work than firefighting about setting up email addresses and what this person's going to do on their first day. Um I think one of the points that I just wanted to get across when we're talking about Happy HQ is the difference between us and a lot of culture consultancies out there is our whole process, our whole business is based on Mm. listening. So it's about before we do anything, we get to the core of how the people are feeling. So we wouldn't go Mm -hmm. in there and say, guys, let's do a value session or let's have a look at your onboarding or let's do this. What about this? It's like, a lot yeah. of leadership are actually think that they know their culture and any pain points, but that's coming from them. And then they want to design ways of overcoming it, usually mm-hmm. with the people in the world. Our whole process is about listening. So we go in and we listen to every, if you have our full audit, but you can, we can listen to every single person within the company. Only they yeah. come back with true real insight and data and that's the main thing that's missing here and I was listening mm. to the um, Diary of a CEO podcast and he was interviewing the brew dog captain he yeah. likes to and he said that <laughs> he's gone through um, a huge shift culturally at brew dog but he said the fundamental thing that changed everything is when he started listening to the people there and he was yeah. like I've operated for 10 years or 12 years in business before I was like, right, guys, let's do this. Let's do that. A lot of the time, because you think you know what people want, he said, the moment we Mm. stopped and we listened and we created a culture that our people wanted is when they're now doing this whole transparency dashboard. They've got amazing initiatives. Obviously, it's a very controversial company to discuss Brewdog because it's a bit like Marmite. But um, (laughs) to hear him on Stephen Bartlett's podcast to say that was a momentous occasion when he decided yeah. to realize it's like well that's what this whole business mm. that we're doing is based on mm. yeah so I, saw, I saw on linkedin a post just this morning it was a ceo asking uh people for some uh creative or interesting well-being initiatives and i just thought it's lovely that you've asked but why don't you ask Ask your team. <laughs> <laughs> just asking the wider population of linkedin it's just like dear strangers not the people that I want to serve. We get it a lot. Like we, I had a message last week. It was like, do you know any creative ways to keep hold of people? Because I'm losing mm. quite a lot. I'm like, 
Have you asked them why they left? Why don't we go back and and try and figure out, A, are they the right people in the right jobs, but why surely are they leaving? I can't just say, take them out for drinks on a Friday. That'll do it. It's like, we're not here to kind of speak badly about leadership. We know these CEOs, founders have got so much pressure. And most of the time, it's first, second job, third job. And as you said, with culture being such, culture's always existed, but the concepts as being mm. a, is relatively new so we're all learning and that's mm. what we say we are addicted. Yeah. we're addicted to culture like we say switch <laughs> off one of our values is health before wealth we will switch <laughs> off on a saturday night i promise i'm out of office it's, yeah, it's yeah. 10 o'clock at night and i'm like do you need to see what these guys yeah. are doing and it's like, <laughs> it's, it's like work-life balance when you absolutely truly love what you do it doesn't yeah. seem like work so for us because mm. we're to people psychology behavioral and culture for us it's it's we're still learning so just because people are learning that don't have that as their full-time job that's fine it's just being open Mm. yeah I think it's so huge as well because that's something that I see in my work and again I think it's much of how we're wired to succeed in business slash the world of work right if somebody has a sales problem right their team aren't getting the sales in what do they do they go and seek a methodology that they can just implant right? They seek a consultant, they say, you tell me what to do. And we'll, we'll flip everything upside down and we'll do that. But then when you come to the aspect of personal development, which is where I live, learning and development, and people and culture, which it sits underneath, you know, they sit side by side. You can't copy paste that. No. no. It has to come from inside. And then your brain goes, oh, because yeah. we're so used to being like, well, this is the strategy, right? This is this is the yeah. Let's let's pick the top ten biggest companies that we look up to or our competitors and see what they're doing and like hodgepodge Frankenstein something together. Yeah, and I get it because we're used to those shortcuts. Yeah, we like those shortcuts. We have so much evidence of those shortcuts working in other areas of the business that yeah. then it's a little bit of a pattern interrupt to be like, well, let's step back. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like the hybrid, you know, work from home, work from office, hybrid, the debate. Mm. No, it's not really a debate because nobody knows. It's an experiment. Nobody yeah. knows. Yeah. There is no what. right answer. There's no blueprint. Yeah, it completely depends on your company and your people. And you can't always, you know, you can't always a- appeal to everybody. There are going to be people that you, if you make big culture changes or cu- big culture decisions, you might lose people. Uh, especially mm. if you do some, you know, deep work around your values and really figure out them, you you will lose people. But it, it has to be these brave, bold moves that are going to create positive change. Yeah. What we learned, very, one of the lessons we learned when we set up this company, I think, is that everybody would get it and everybody would want it. Like for us, because we so care about people. And for me as a business leader, my, like the people that I love my job come first, but I count myself as that because yeah. it's my, well, it's like separate, like we're B Corp certified as I love my job. So for me, I spent mm. three years in accreditation that is essentially stamping to say you are a business that's doing a force for good. A lot of what we do yeah. is put people, the planet, community before the bottom line. It's like the triple bottom line now. Um, yeah. We believe that it would be for everyone, but that quite mm. naively. And to be honest, the first few knocks where people are like, yeah, I definitely care about my people. Right. Well, how we work is we speak to your people. Oh, no, no, I don't want you to speak to my people. I can tell you what the culture's like. Oh, and we were like, what? Like, no, 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 that's <laughs> not what it's about. And to be honest, I'd say a good, the majority of the people we spoke to originally didn't mm. want to do it, didn't get it. They were like, yeah, yeah, no, I want, I want, I definitely care about my people. I want it to be a great culture, but you can't speak to all of them. You can speak to X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, well, mm. no, operate here. Mm. And then for us, it took a lot of soul searching to be like, is this a concept? Have we gone a bit crazy with this? <laughs> like, But we are so true to our purpose of what we're doing. We're changing the world of work as we know it. Mm. But then as soon as you meet a person that gets it, like you, yeah. you connect you vibe off each other and you're like, yes, let's go. Let's, let's go. Off. We're off. Let's <laughs> go. And I think it was a big light bulb moment when it's saying there's so many people that don't get it and don't want to do it. Mm. But actually that 
feeds that fire because we're like, there's so much wrong mm. out there in our eyes that actually people yeah. want to bring culture, but they're not truly putting their people first. Mm. They just want to be mm. able to say they have. But when you meet the people that truly do, that's what we're trying to get to is educate. So our strategy is to educate the people that don't quite get it yet because it's going to take time. As far as curve in business, mm. we are ahead of the curve as far as how how much we believe in culture and we know yeah. the impact it makes. So we're educating these people to say it will get there it will mm. like how important it is but then helping the people that truly care create the culture that their people and they deserve so it's quite a nice balance yeah. really but we thought we'd be have a hundred percent of the people that get it mm. so yes <laughs> I think yeah I think most of the time and and we do acknowledge that it there is that fear because we've all answered those really dull engagement surveys and we've not heard mm-hmm. anything back afterwards and that <laughs> well, nothing significant say. lots of like na 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 yeah, or you know yeah. the, neither nor in the middle of the the scale yeah but yeah. you know data is an insight's one thing but taking action is another and so what we're trying to be for our clients is that sort of extension of their team where we can we, where we can hold them accountable and i think without mm. anyone accountable nothing gets done yeah and leaders want to be accountable yeah like i yeah. there are accountability coaches aren't there that just make leaders mm. accountable because accountable. They, so <laughs> for us it's like if we can get to the heart and get inside the heads of the people that are there come up with mm. really simple meaningful culture goals so it might be let's reinvent your values because you've got six values but when we did our culture questionnaire we call it an audit but it's essentially a culture questionnaire um nobody could recite them or there's only two people that could recite them out of 30 so they're not meaningful mm. to have them you've got if we were interviewing then they'd be like box tick we've got values when we ask yeah. like well how do you really are the evidence and how and, and how often are you referring to these values do they really change the way you behave behave at work only when we've got that can we then go back and say look the values we get it you've got them but they're not mm. meaningful mm. you can we together can do so much better and a lot of the time and I can put my hand on my heart and say I was one of them when Janine said I had to redo all of my jobs values I was like oh I think uh-huh. they're quite good I, I thought they're, they're all right I thought they're okay. nice <laughs> but then this was during the setup of Happy HQ she was like well should we try and reinvent them so we got everybody involved and now we hire by them we do performance reviews by them mm-hmm. we've got strategy is in columns by our values and it's like when you truly believe your values then you know that you're doing a good job in work you know you're behaving yeah. right you're hiring the right people and it's it's for a lot of people that we've done value sessions with the penny has dropped yeah and they've said mm. oh, right what if we work with leather at leisure brand we mm. highlighted one of the values that's so core to them they're doing a whole yeah. new range based on this fearless value now, which is all like massive, like yeah. Aztec. They, they said, we wouldn't have done that if you hadn't highlighted that actually we truly that. want to be bold and fearless. And it's like, it, it can change business wow. strategy. So it's it, huge. Yeah, I think, you know, words like inefficiency, efficiency, sorry, and professionalism <laughs> and creative and nice, oh, getting underneath the skin of why, why, what people. does... Yeah, yeah. Why, they sound why, like values for machines, like a new software yeah, update. Yeah. We made it more efficient, we made it more professional. Again, it's a beautiful word, and it's one of the best business practices that you can follow to, <laughs> to have integrity. But it's mm-hmm. not, it could be anybody's value, couldn't it? So we try and yeah. say, well, what is integrity to you? Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. about creating actionable values that are lived out, defined, and connected across the whole company culture. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I think that this is, this is the green grass on the other side. Because even when you were talking about the the surprise that you had kind of going out there and being like, oh, okay, you're not necessarily digging this. And like, I'm going to get in my coachy nerd bag, but essentially coming up against resistance, right? Resistance from that individual or that individual that represents the organization. And like, even when you were explaining it, you know, very much it's either out of fear or ego or a blend of both. But 
us being able to socialize the stories of what happens on the other side of that bravery is so, so important. And it allows us to really apply, like, again, still in my nerdy coach bag, a growth mindset to this area of change in business. Because if we do, then we understand that part and parcel of that growth mindset and that commitment to that approach is that vulnerability is more than welcome. Mistakes are going to happen. We're actually not going to promise anybody, you know, least of all ourselves, perfection, but we're going to pursue this knowing that even if we get two steps further, right, even if we get just 0.025 higher on the employee engagement score, we're moving in a direction as opposed to sitting and thinking, well, this is our lot. We've been here for X years. How do you change culture without just, you know, what are you telling me? I should just fire everybody and start again or, you know, whatever kind of comes up for us. And I'm being like facetious with it, but that's how our brains you know, that's how our brains freak out when you say things like change the values. It's like, well, if my values are wrong, then maybe the way I'm leading is wrong. And again, I'm saying all of this to give us permission to let our brains be human and let ourselves be human, but also come to a space where just as we're piling up all of the evidence in our mind and what could go wrong if I was to unleash Happy HQ on my team um, to ask them what they really, really think, there's also the other side of that of, I'll know then, oh my gosh, and I'll feel more confident in how I'm leading, recruiting, hiring, progressing folks. And it's not our job. We're always really, you know, open about this. It's not our job to throw leaders under a bus to, um, Mm -hmm. you know, open up the the floodgates to the negative Noras, to the black catters. Everything that we do is really positively framed because there's no no use just sort of dragging up stuff from from years back. And it's about Mm -hmm. like, if we were to create the best company that we could possibly could in the future, what would that look like? So it's very much, yeah, yeah, based on what they want. So, and you don't need to say that you're a geeky coach. You're speaking to people mm. that you get nerdy. <laughs> I'm like, coach nerdy doesn't go I know, in my brain, I'm just like, wait, you've studied positive psychology. You get it. You're there. And you do, you know, four years of research. I'm, you know, I can pretty much bet you've come across my mindset. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah, definitely that. And it's that resistance. It's that fear. And it's. And and, and a lot of, if you think of how the world of work has changed over Mm. the last three years, well, two and a half years, if you, your business is running beautifully and your working hours are nine to five and everybody's in the office, it's like Mm. saying to somebody, okay, well, we're going, we've been through this pandemic and now people, it's like saying to you, you eat dinner at five o'clock every night. It's like me saying, eat dinner at midnight and you're going to have a 40% increase in revenue, your profit's going to go up, you're going to have more retention, you're going to have to, like, oh, right, so I've got to change something I've done for 40 years on the belief that this is going to have a positive... It takes a strong Mm. lead to say, you know what, I'm going to start eating my dinner at midnight just to see, because what's Mm. going to happen, the worst thing that's going to do, it's not going to work. So the leaders that are going to, like, do you know what, I'm going to, in, in like, say, you can work from home a certain amount of time a week, or... I don't know. It's not being tried and tested. We're in this four-day-a-week mm. flexible working experiment at the moment. But it's the strong leaders that are saying, let's go for it. Let's try it. Because the worst that can happen is it doesn't work. But by even mm. showing that openness to change, it's not going to negatively impact. And if it yeah. does, you can sw- swatch it, switch it back. As long as everybody's bought in and everybody wants to be part of it and you're doing it for the yeah. people then I think leaders being open to failure as well is is just so positive internally yeah. for business. That is huge. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And just bringing folks along from for the journey. It's not like a people at the top doing, you know, this is not puppet master vibes. It's people first. This is our whole methodology is people first company cultures. It's coming from the people. And it's created yeah. for the people and the leadership team and the owners. So it's very, when we say it, it sounds very simple, but it, it it's not what's happening for the majority mm. of the companies out there. Yeah. Oh, that's so huge. I want to switch gears a little bit to ask you both a question respectively, or because you run Happy HQ together and we've spoken about the work of Happy HQ, but also kind of switching gears a little bit to you both as individuals. What's your career teaching you right now? Like what what is happening for you in your career? I think for me, 
I work in the Isle of My Job team. We've got a mm. team. We're very diverse as a team, and that's what we truly believe we should be, and that's what we're about to scale as well. And that's one of the main things is we we welcome everybody at I Love My Job. Um, yeah. And for me, being open-minded and really listening, and I, I in a lot of meetings, I'll just be sat there just taking it all in and with mm. that empathetic kind of head like, okay, just even considering things – is so powerful Mm. and there's a lot of leaders that have got to where they are because they've got the loudest voices and they like to be heard so it's actually for me I'm probably one of those people to be honest I've had coaching on how to actively listen and Janine she's talking again but um, I'd say since we've worked together especially having that open like my career is teaching you have to listen Mm. You have to listen to society, what's happening in society. You have to listen to what's happening in politics. You have to listen to what's happening in the workplace. And you have to take it all in and then trial and then just be really brave to go for things that you think are going to work. Like B Corp, for example, when I started the B Corp process, there was only one other recruitment company in the whole country that was Mm. certified. So for a lot of people, it's like, oh, it's not the certification for me. But I'm like, I can see in society, the shift is changing. People want to be working with businesses that are sustainable, that care about the planet community. So I was like, do you know what? I'm going to give it a go. I've got a go. I'm listening. I'm picking up on these like cues and I'll do it. Even though there's 32,000 recruitment companies in the country and only one of them so far, I don't mind. I don't need to Mm. follow the herd. So I think they're listening and take yeah, you've got to listen. I'd say that's the main yeah. thing that I'm learning at the moment. And also having that purpose and that drive and having, if you're a mission and purpose-led company, to be having a shared, when I see candidates going into roles where they truly have aligned values and mission, it's it's magical. Yeah. You see the journey that they go on and it's the same for us. We've collided with a shared mission and the energy that we have, what we're trying to achieve and what we will achieve will be we want it to be a legacy business we want to be Mm. one of the pioneers in changing the world of work yeah amazing how about you janine i'm gonna say that everything i've learned that's brought me up to this point is that the best leaders out there are the ones who are vulnerable and are human and come to the table saying on a you know they start from a place of I know nothing, we're in this together, let's create change, like let's learn, let's stay curious. I think that, you know, in my earlier career, I always felt like the leaders are the ones that should have all the answers, but they don't. And the ones that I've learned the most from have been the ones that have just been super, like literally human, not superhuman. Mm. Oh, I love that. That might be the title of this episode. <laughs> oh, there we go. Awesome. Where can people follow your journey, connect with you both, follow all things Happy HQ? Yeah, so our website address is happyhq.co.uk. And then we're also active on Instagram. So we're happyhq underscore UK. Lou's looking at me like, well done for knowing that. <laughs> <laughs> amazing i love it especially when you've got underscores in there it can get a little oh, bit yeah. tricky I, you know what i got that symbol and, oh gosh what is this symbol called i think it's underscore yeah <laughs> the line that's lower than a dash <laughs> yeah down underneath <laughs> awesome well thank you both for joining me for this conversation i have had so much fun and really hope our listeners get a lot from it um and that they do reach out i'll be having all the handles including the underscore in the show notes and in the blog right up as well thank you so much much. what an episode want to continue the conversation join the limitless letter to get weekly resources for your high achieving career in a place where we all get what it means to embrace ambition and declare your desires go to justjazz.co forward slash join and i'll see you there